Some of us, most of us, we've all done terrible things on behalf of the rebellion. Spies, saboteurs, assassins. Everything I did, I did for the rebellion. And every time I walked away from something I wanted to forget, I told myself it was for a cause that I believed in. A cause that was worth it. Without that, we're lost. Everything we've done would have been for nothing. I couldn't face myself if I gave up now. None of us could. I'm not used to people sticking around when things go bad. Welcome home. Of Blast Points is Jason. As Gabe. Andor is done. It's sad, but it's exciting. I'm I'm kind of bummed that Andor is done because what a fun, 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 incredible ride this has been. But now we can rest. It's like Yoda in Return of the Jedi. He doesn't want to die, but he's just so tired. He's just ready to rest. And that's kind of how I feel. It was a it was a wild ride, but now I can just rest a little bit. I think about Andor like the pizza place in Epcot Center. It was the best pizza I've ever had in my life, and I absolutely freaked out and I couldn't stop eating it. And I didn't I did not want to stop eating this pizza because it was so good. But at a certain point I knew I had to. Because I think they had brought our bill, and it was just—it was time to go, and it was getting busy, and there were other people that were waiting to sit in this very busy pizza place in Epcot because it's so good. And but I felt satisfied. I was like, you know what? That pizza was incredible, and one day I want to have that pizza again. But I can hold on to the memory of how incredible that pizza was, and it was the best pizza I ever had in my life. That's Andor. It it it, it had to end. It was time for it to end. But I'm 100% satisfied with season one of Andor. I'm going to roll with this pizza metaphor because I love pizza all across the board. Pizza is great. And that's kind of Star Wars, right? Sometimes you have pizza where it's like, 
even if you have crummy pizza, it's still okay. It's still pizza. If the basics are there, then you can enjoy it. And that's kind of Star Wars. Like, if all the basic Star Wars stuff is there, then I'm fine. It's true, though, because it's like we went to this restaurant and it's like, this looks like fancy pizza. I don't know if I'm going to like it. And then you put it in your mouth and you're like, oh, why have I never had fancy pizza before? This is really good. (laughs) And, And that really is. Yeah. Is fancy Star Wars a good thing? And yes, it is. It's an incredibly good thing. That's the thing, too, that it's like, well, we knew Andor was coming. We saw the trailers, the celebration, and we, we, you know, we had heard, like, other people telling us, like, oh, it's really, really good. It's really good. And it's like, well, you know, I'm going to try it. Of course I am, because it's pizza, because it's Star Wars. I like the basic ingredients of it. If there's droids and people wearing cool coats, chances are I'm going to like it. But you don't know until you try it. And that was – Andor was a new – type of pizza for us and now i am hooked on that pizza but it's it's a finer thing you can't have it all you can't have the finer things all the time because then the stuff that's also great but not the finer thing isn't as great anymore am i making sense probably not and that's that's andor it messed us up we've had our minds blown week to week for 12 weeks now and the season, yeah, is finally over, but the story's not over. We know there's a season two. We know they might, did they start filming already? If they haven't, they're going to be starting very soon. Yeah, it's been an incredible ride. It, it's like, what more is there to say? This was a really, really good show. It's one of the best shows, maybe just as a show, even if it's not Star Wars, as a science fiction television show, it's like up there with the best. And the fact that it's it's Star Wars just makes it that much even better and cooler. And it's just, it's one of those things when, yeah, now that it's done, you're just, it's amazing that that it happened and, and that it happened the way it happened. And that here we are on the other side and, you know, our lives are changed forever because now Andor exists and we can keep going back to it and watching it and experiencing all the excitement over and over again until we throw up because we're so full of all that yummy Star Wars pizza. It was so many, so many years ago that the announcement came from a Bob Iger stockholders call moments ago during an earnings call disney chairman and ceo bob Iger announced that lucasfilm is currently in development on a second live action star wars series for disney plus the company's new direct-to-consumer streaming service the new series follows the adventures of rebel spy cassian andor prior to the events of rogue one a star wars story during the formative years of the rebellion best of all diego luna is returning to reprise his role as cassian in a quote for starwars.com luna stated going back to the star wars universe is very special for me i have so many memories of the great work we did together and the relationships I made throughout the journey. Adding, we have a fantastic adventure ahead of us, and this new exciting format will give us the chance to explore this character more deeply. The rousing spy thriller will explore tales filled with espionage and daring missions to restore hope to a galaxy in the grips of a ruthless empire. The series will go into production next year, and a release date has not yet been announced. Uh, We were like, great, yes, and like, oh my god, would would that tell the backstory and we were just thinking like oh it's going to be like the adventures of cassian and k2 before rogue one. Oh, that would be cool i don't think really thinking that it would be what it is and kind of like what it is 
that has in a way made all the Star Wars TV shows, in my opinion, so great is they have more time to tell stories. So they are more focused on character stories, character based stories versus rollicking space fantasy adventure stories. And Andor is almost like the perfect example of that, where we have this massive story that's so vital to the core of Star Wars, the the Rebel Alliance against the Empire. And really, who were the people that were responsible for that? And what did they sacrifice to get there? And what are the small moments that led to the formation of the Alliance? And the fact that a show like Andor was able to do that, focusing around Cassian. If someone would have told us years and years ago that that is what the the Cassian Andor show is going to be, I would have been like, how? How is that going to be possible? Because that sounds so epic. That sounds so crazy. Well, and it's just, it's just a, such a cool way to do it, too, because it is a very George Lucas Star Wars thing of, you know, it's about history and really, like, the history on Earth and just how small things lead to medium things that lead to bigger things. And next thing you know, there's a world war or some huge worldwide event and how all of these big things start with small things. And they start with just everyday people that things happen to and, and people react to those things and it just snowballs and, and gets bigger and bigger and, and more people get pulled in and, and kind of that, Interest in history and interest in how things lead to where things are. The whole Lucas taking anthropology classes in college, like that DNA of Star Wars kind of being taken on by such a good writer and creator as Tony Gilroy and the team he put together to kind of tackle this, again, yeah, very kind of serious story very straightforward drama and then peppering it with just enough star wars outrageousness to just make the ultimate mixture of everything drama a creatures robots it's yeah it's it's pure star wars even though it's very different than what we'd seen in the past the pizza recipe if you will just the right <laughs> bit of tomato sauce the fresh mozzarella Maybe some garlic on the crust, maybe. Some arugula. There's some greens on there. What's there? Why is there a salad on my pizza? But, ooh, it's so good. Let's try it. Kind of, <laughs> I'm getting some vitamins here. This is kind of healthy. Yeah. But that, and that's the thing with Tony Gilroy, that it really it comes down to him and his vision for this show. I listened to another podcast where he was the guest on recently, and they were talking to him about like podcasts and Tony Gilroy was like, well, I, I listen to history podcasts. That's all I listen to. I care about history and people talking about history. It's like Gilroy and Lucas couldn't be farther apart in people and like the way they talk and stuff. But I feel like the two of them would get along like peas in a pod, you know, because Gilroy would be like, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about revolutionary wars. And Lucas would be like, well, I read this book. And yeah, and that's, so kind of refreshing to have that as much as we love the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian and all the crazy stuff. It's kind of good to get back to that more kind of star Wars that's rooted in real world history. You know, the, the library at Skywalker ranch kind of star Wars, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Focusing this whole thing around the character of Cassian Andor, like we said, like at first we thought it was going to be about Cassian and K2 or something, but taking it back even farther 
and kind of realizing that on one hand in Rogue One, we had this character casting Andor who was super interesting and super great. And we all walked out of the film loving him. But he almost kind of was, except for the one part with Jin in the ship, like in the rebellion since he was six years old, he was kind of a blank slate. Like, how did this guy get there? How did how does someone become a in t- rebel intelligence and Captain Cassian Andor? And I like it reminds me of, and this is something Sky Talkers talked about too, when we did the roundtable with Bo Williamson, where he talked about this whole show. I think it was Friends of the Force that asked this question is the education of Cassian Andor. But I will say that Tony walked into the room saying, I want to think about this first season is the education of Cassian Andor, right? Like how, what does it take to go from being a a sort of self-serving guy who, who, who may have a distaste for the empire, but is ambivalent in terms of doing anything about it to what does he need to go through an experience in order to have a real transformation where he is choosing by choice to, 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 to walk towards re- rebellion. How, how does that evolution take place in the human soul? And then you start asking yourself that of all the characters in your, in the show, um, what evolutions are they going through and, and how are they becoming the people they are? Um, and, and I, and I think a big part of this ultimately, I mean, cause we know where rogue one is going to get us. It comes down to sacrifice. It, it's so true. And it's how does someone go from being, a thief or however he got on the radar of Luthen and the rebel Alliance or the proto rebel Alliance to being someone that they would trust with the mission to get the death star plans. The most important mission in, you know, the pre battle of Yavin rebel Alliance. And they, they trust that with Cassian. Well, and it's the smart choice too, of if it's a TV show, they have a lot more time to tell the story and as cool as it would have been to just jump right in, as Cassian and K2 out on adventures, the fact that they decided, no, we're going to take advantage of the format. We're going to take our time and we're going to spend a whole season just from the beginning and getting Cassian from someone who only cares about himself to someone who's interested in a cause and, and the rebel Alliance. And, and much like everything on the show is taking the time to build the character up to rogue one so that at some point, when he does run into K2SO, it's just that much more impactful and it means that much more and it you feel it that much more because you saw everything leading up to it and you understand who this person is that yeah, we fell in love with in Rogue One. And peppering in characters that we're already familiar with, like that we know were part of the early, these early days of the Rebel Alliance, Saw Gerrera, Mon Mothma. But like we did with our Mothma Madness episode, taking someone like... Mon Mothma, who, of course, was in Return of the Jedi, was in deleted scenes from Sith, in Clone Wars and Rebels, but adding so many new dimensions to that character. How would someone go from being a senator with a husband and a teenage kid to being the, the leader of a revolution? And why is Saw the person he is in Rogue One? We get a taste of that in this series, but handling it in such a complex, interesting way. I don't think that any of us ever expected from what we got in Andor. That's the amazing thing with this show. Well, and all the new characters too, like there's so many 
characters this series introduced and it managed to keep them all interesting and keep them all in play even if we didn't see them for for multiple episodes it's like Brasso is probably one of my favorite new Star Wars characters and he's really hardly in the show and just the the little bit he's on you're like you know man Brasso you know like who would have thought the guy with the gloves and Bix and Lonnie and just you know Deidre and Cyril and Blevin is still around and just oh my god yeah all these all these new little facets and little bits of this timeline it's time frame and and what's going on with the with the empire and the and the and the rebels at this time is just yeah it's amazing Clea fascinating Vel and Cinta fascinating yeah even Kino on Narkina 5 like Kino's only in three episodes, but he made a huge impact on everyone. And now it's like when you think of Andy Serkis in Star Wars, you're going to think of Kino. And it's going to be like, oh, yeah, he was also Snoke. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> but And Luthen. Luthen has now become like weirdly like probably one of the most important characters in Star Wars history now. And Luthen is so fascinating. People out there are like, is Luthen a secret Jedi or something? Like Luthen is that interesting. Like <laughs> – does Luthen know Boba Fett? These are the things I need to know. Well, I, I spent a few minutes watching uh, the last episode again, too. Of like The second time I watched it, I was like, maybe Luthen really is ISB. And he's just playing the long, long game. It's like they, they're just, you know, it, I, that's that's ridiculous. But maybe it's not. Like, they're just, we're as paranoid now watching the show as the people on the show. And that's just another brilliant thing about the show is it just it made us all just as paranoid to where we're star wars fans we think about crazy theories all the time and and this one just you know keeps that going like but just all these little people i just love it so much because it's it's the roots of the rebellion it's the i think it's we we said this many times with andor it's the story i don't think we ever thought that we would ever get of the real people that were responsible for building the Rebel Alliance. And like we said, it goes back to Tony Gilroy and looking at it from this more kind of serious historical background of, you know, who were the, the, the like we talked about before, the people that don't get talked about in the history books, but who were just as important as the names that everyone remembers. Those are the cool stories. Did Wedge Antilles and Han Solo and Luke Skywalker did they know about how this whole thing wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Vel and Cinta? Maybe not, but we now know Vel and Cinta, or they don't know Luthen. They're, people aren't talking about Luthen in the you know the Ewok celebration when the second Death Star explodes, but they should be. They someone should stand up and be like, hey, you know, we all wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Luthen Rail. So let's give us let's have let's drink some some Jawa juice for Luthen. And the way. 12 the 12th the season, the finale ends with the revolution in the streets of Ferrix and with Andor being inspired by Nemec's manifesto it is it's that whole thing it's the small it's like you said the small things that make the big things happen that is how revolutions happen it was so satisfying watching this story unfold in season 1 of Andor and I was even thinking, too, for Lucasfilm and Disney to give the go-ahead to this show, where it is so different. 
from any Star Wars movie, show, anything, and to be like, yes, Star Wars should be about pushing outside the box. And you do not want to do the same thing over and over and over again because that gets stale. Then people start to lose interest. If anything should be unpredictable and weird, it should be Star Wars. And it is. It is. Like, you know, just a few weeks ago or whatever, a couple weeks ago, we had Grogu and the Dust Bunnies. That is weird and unpredictable. And I was so happy for stuff like that and that Star Wars is kind of keeping people on their toes. And Andor isn't what people expected. And that is great. I think the Andor, yeah. (laughs) I got to say, that show is awesome. I mean, you have no idea what's coming until you see that. You're going to be really, really excited. But, you know, I don't want to single anything out because everything we talked about today... I think you're going to find each and every show and all the new characters we're introducing are just fantastic. So I couldn't be more excited. I couldn't be more excited than to see your reaction to these new shows. So can't wait. And can't wait for tonight. That's going to be great. Oh, my goodness. This will kind of lead into our conversation of 12, but it's all kind of summed up in Nemec's manifesto where Almost all of Star Wars at the end where he says, and know this, the day will come when all these skirmishes and battles, these moments of defiance have flooded the banks of the Empire's authority, and then there will be one too many. One single thing will break the siege. Remember this, try. That applies to the battle in the streets of Ferrix, but also, of course, that got me thinking of Luke Skywalker and his X-Wing Just one single thing will break the siege, will blow up the Death Star of Galen Erso leaving a flaw in the plans of Ray being one single thing that nobody saw coming that breaks the whole thing apart. It's just it's it's so Star Wars. It it goes back to the, the prison of the mind and that until you make the decision to do something nothing happens and that's what nemec's saying here too like do something because <laughs> all it takes is making that decision to do something and everything matters so do something and it, and you don't know if you're going to be the something that makes the change and if you're the something that's going to be the one too many and and actually break everything down so as palpatine says do it <laughs> I'm on the side that says you should treat people decently and that, yeah, you can argue about whatever you want to argue about, but we're all in this boat together. Everybody's in it together. And we're going to all sink or swim together. And we haven't been doing a very good job over the last 10,000 years. All of my movies are about one thing, which is the fact that the only prison you're in is the prison of your mind. And if you decide to open the door and get out, you can. There's nothing stopping you. Okay, 
so let's talk about episode 12 of Andor specifically. We're recording this early, so we don't know what the episode's called yet. You out there listening to this, you know what the episode's called. And you're like, oh, could we call it a minute? Well, we don't know because we're, we're, we're recording this before the episode really came out. So, But this episode, seriously, oh my God. Kind of like how Daughter of Ferrix 11 was all the buildup. This episode, I love this episode too because this is like more of the buildup, but a super buildup. Like the last one was Marva has died. Oh my God, this is a shockwave across the galaxy. Now it's like, okay, it's the day of the funeral. Everyone get ready. The whole first half of the episode is everyone get ready. Yeah, this episode is so good. I mean, it's it basically is paying off from everything that came before in the season. We're back at the beginning. We're back on Ferrix. And the gang's all there on Ferrix. Everyone's coming back to Ferrix. Everyone who's still alive, other than Mothma and the Coruscant crew, but Val and Cinta and Luthen and Cyril and Sideburns and Kazian and Deidre. Did I forget anyone? They're all there. They're all on Ferrix. And it's just, yeah, it's like, okay, something's going to happen. Something big's going to happen. What is it going to be? The first hint of just how wonderful and outrageous this episode is, is the, the Andor logo at the beginning. Wait, is that like a brass band playing the Andor theme? What is what is this? <laughs> I know it's like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> like, oh, that's something different. What is going on? And the first shot, too, of a bomb being built. What's very clearly like a bomb is being built. Like the episode is not messing around. We're telling you like stuff's going to blow up. If there's one thing this show is good at, it's it's foreshadowing. And uh, this this episode does not does not uh, hold back. Yeah, I think this episode's going to blow up like a bomb. <laughs> A bomb made out of brass bands somehow. And then, well, you know, and kind of, that is what happens. Like, <laughs> somehow this brass band does kind of blow stuff up. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know we're jumping ahead here, but I really hope at the next celebration, if if it happens in London, please, please, please take pictures and videos for us because we won't be there. But the, especially the one in the next U.S. celebration – I hope there's a Ferrix brass band, like the running of the Wilrow Hoods. I hope the Ferrix brass band comes through the middle of celebration. Well, yeah, and I hope there's a whole new thing now of, you know, there's people who like to make Stormtrooper costumes and there's people who like to make Mandalorian armor. And I hope there's a whole group of people who make working Star Wars musical instruments and play them because crazy Tony Gilroy, again, like, you know what? I'm going to introduce woodwinds and brass instruments to the star wars universe in a way they've never seen before yeah i think it's like a space like a flute and it's like well how are we going to make a flute look star wars i don't know I'll just put four of them on there <laughs> it's so star wars it's so star Wars. it's like that's a flute glue a bunch of more flutes on that flute yeah oh i was i was like oh my god here we go and they're wearing like little marching band hats and stuff and like i was it's like my my bootleg uh Star Wars concert with the with the story, the clone trooper with the with the trumpet t-shirt I have is like strangely uh, back in fashion here after this episode. 
which we, the backstory for people that haven't heard that story before it's still one of my favorites when you went to go see star wars in concert in 2009 or 10 or something when the they did the tour with anthony daniels you got like the the parking garage bootleg t-shirt yeah, some guy selling t-shirts out of a plastic bag in the parking lot yeah and it's a it's a clone trooper playing a trumpet and it's wonderful and it's yeah it, it was telling the future of Andor. i knew i knew i was on it they were on something with that i was so jealous you told me and i was just like man there was nobody selling bootlegs at my show anyways <laughs> We, you know this episode is cooking with gas right away in the beginning when also you see a glorious Imperial shuttle landing on Ferrix and Dedra, she, you know, she got that promotion and now she's rolling into Ferrix with two deaf troopers. I, I know you probably were too. I was, wait, I was like, oh man, this episode is so great, but can the deaf troopers just talk really quick? But they're they're being smart because they're they're letting these are anyone's death troopers. If you prefer the rebels' death troopers, that's these death troopers. If you prefer the rogue one death troopers, they're those death troopers. It's up to you to to use your imagination to make them talk. I don't think anyone prefers the rebels' death troopers. Maybe somebody does. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe the people in in the UK do. You know, maybe <laughs> those are their death troopers. I like death troopers. Well, we're looking for someone named Cassian Andor. Have you seen him now? All right, well, we'll keep moving on. If you uh, give him a ring. Sorry, everyone in the UK, I apologize. <laughs> we, lo- we, okay. we, we love you. <laughs> we, I'm really sorry for that horrible, horrible, horrible accent. The bomb keeps getting built. It's You kind of see the streets of Ferrix, and it's so tense. Like everyone is spying on each other, and then people are spying on the people spying. Just everyone is watching each other. It is extremely tense. And then we get this great scene of Mothma in her space car, and she's kind of like loosening up her clothes she has on in the front. Kind of is it symbolic of her loosening up? Her front that she gives of being this senator from Chandrilla, maybe. Also, I kind of took it as this is this is like a lot of the characters. This is Mothma becoming the Mothma. This is like she was she was in her little uh, what is it called? She's in the thing that that moths are in before they turn into moths. A cocoon. <laughs> her little cocoon. She's in her cocoon and she's like she's really nervous, but she knows it's like it's time. And she like comes out of her cocoon and now she's a beautiful Mon Mothma because this is like her masterstroke. This is Mothma becoming a little bit of Luthan and basically playing for keeps and coming up with a brilliant solution to help with her problem. And like you said, I think earlier of like she's putting it all on the line and, and you know, she's moving beyond her family and she's doing whatever it takes to to survive she blames this missing ledger in her money she was moving from her family account the four hundred thousand, i think she said in episode 11 on parents gambling problem i love she's just like why don't you just go to canto bite and deal with it perrin is too much of a bonehead to realize what she's doing and but i i almost felt for perrin because he i think he's telling the truth he was just like i'm not gambling She's created an alibi here for the missing money, and she knows that the driver guy is ISB. She knows he's secretly listening. 
she, it's all a plan to explain away this missing money. It's not my fault. It's parents' fault. And yes, yeah, she is moving away. She is taking the steps to move away from her life as a wife and mother and into the leader of a revolution. And she's also making an excuse for her involvement with Davos that she knows parents been to, to his places. She knows that there's a connection there. And now by tying him to the missing money, it doesn't seem weird that she's involved with Davos. It's like, she's, she's now the game master. She's out Luthening Luthen in her own way here. And it's just, you know, it's like for a whole season of her kind of manipulating behind the scenes, like this is her big run on the death star here in the back of her cab. And she, you know, she hit the target and, uh, the, the chain reaction has started on the on the Death Star of her of her life, I guess. And again, we say it over and over again whenever we talk about these Mon Mothma moments, these Mon Mothma scenes. It's all Genevieve O'Reilly. She does so much by just little things in her performance throughout this entire series, and especially this scene when she is in that backseat of her space car. It's all right there on her face. It was so much as unspoken, knowing how we should feel about Mon Mothma, knowing what this moment means. It's like a hilarious scene because it's like, Perrin, you idiot. But <laughs> also it's like, yeah, this is here we go. Here we go. That's like a whole thing from this this whole episode. It's like, yeah, here we go. It's all starting now. Well, and it's like so much of this show, this scene would not work the way it does if it wasn't for all the episodes preceding it, building to this point and making it all, setting the pieces in play. So here where they all fall into place, you're like, oh, of course. Yeah. Mothma, you slide one, you figured it out. And Perrin, yeah, it's like, I feel bad for him. Like you said, it's like he went from being like, oh man, Perrin is lame to now it's like, oh, I kind of feel bad for him. And they set it up a little bit with the last episode too of the whole with Lita and the in the the braids and in all the you know old Chandrilla stuff, like Mothma even says a nice thing about Perrin. There, we're like Perrin's not into that either, and and now we kind of like oh, maybe he is just kind of he's not a bad guy as much as he just wants to party. You know, he just wants to hang out. She she was unfortunately married Sammy Hagar, and he just wants to drink tequila and party all the time. And it's just you know maybe he's not a bad guy. Well, he's just he's just kind of an idiot. He's a moron and. He's not going to go to Narkina 5 for his gambling, but once Mothma leaves, he'll be okay. She's just, she's not like getting the death sentence for him. She's just kind of like, I need you to be the scapegoat for this thing so I can move away from you eventually. Because that's what we know is going to happen. They show Cinta and Vel that they are uh, back together on Ferrix, but it's kind of all business. They're kind of struggling to kind of have moments alone, but Cinta is very much aware that she's being watched 24-7. Well, I think that the interesting thing with their relationship is it is the the idea of all these different people can come into a rebellion, but there is a disconnect between Cinta, who is in it because of personal tragedy, and Val, who is, you know, even though it was mean to say, is kind of a rich girl playing revolutionary in in she's you know she's devoted herself to the cause but it is a little different in her situation versus cinta and, and that's where the 
the disconnect in the relationship is that Cinta really is a true believer way more than anyone else because it affected, it affected her so personally. And we see that, you know, throughout this episode too, with her not giving up any opportunity to take out someone from the empire. Like she's obsessed as much as Val, you know, made a, made an oath, made a pledge. Cinta's obsessed with it. And it'll be interesting to see where their characters are in season two, assuming we will see them both in season two. Like, where are they years later? That will be really interesting. Meanwhile, on the streets of Ferrix, Cassian is there and he's sneaking around and we get those great flashbacks with him and Clem, his father, kind of talking about how they're cleaning some stolen stuff. Well, then people just don't look look down and see what's in front of them. A little bit of a metaphor there for Cassian Andor. And, well, in, in Genevieve's not the only one doing the face thing. I mean, Cassian's face in this scene is great too, where he's you know he's touching his dad's stone in the wall, and you can see he doesn't say anything, and it's just all in Diego Luna's face of what he's feeling, remembering his dad, and kind of almost saying goodbye to his dad because he probably knows he's never coming back to Ferrix if he gets out of a lot out of it alive. Well, no, like Mothma too. He's coming to the crossroads here. He's saying goodbye to his old life in a way. He's like, if I survive this thing on Ferrix, if I get out of Ferrix, probably I can never come back here. And that part of who he was is done very much like Mothma. So back with the ISB, there's tension Going on, we get to see uh, Blevin is back and talking to the driver of Mothma's car. We kind of get confirmation that he is spying on them. I was happy to see Blevin back because I thought after Dedra took over Ferrix that maybe he was gone. But no, all the characters live on um, and he's kind of on the trail of Mothma there. And man, there's they're having the, uh, the office party to celebrate the death of Robbie Krieger. Deidre is kind of mad because they're killing everyone and she wants some people alive. I I love the part where uh, she's on the phone with the old long hair guy, which do you remember his name? He's like one of the best parts of the show. The ISB guy. Yeah. ISB big boss guy with his glorious hair and his sweet coats. That's all I know. But he's like, you know, this wasn't about finding information. Wipe, it's about wiping the taste of Aldani from the emperor's mouth. Which when he says that every time, I'm like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine food and stuff getting stuck in those like face wrinkles and stuff. Like, I need you to clean my face. Someone get Lord Vader. Vader's there with a moist towelette, just wiping his cheeks. Gross. Yeah, everyone is celebrating the death of Robbie Krieger. They're playing five to one, maybe the unknown soldier, maybe riders on the storm or something. Yeah, what Dedra is supposed to go find Axis. And then, then we cut to Luthen, and he has made it to Ferrix, and we get our first of a couple shots of Luthen riding a sweet speeder. Sweet, sweet Star Wars treats in this uh in this episode. And really that was the other thing with this episode of, you know, we got the little hint uh in eleven with the with the Cantwell cruiser and and Luthen being a, a starship pilot, but this one is like not only, you know, is are all these kind of threads from Andor coming together, the show is officially becoming even more Star Wars with the, the Imperial shuttles and there's stormtroopers everywhere and there's death troopers and there's Imperials in full uniform and there's 
imperial what the the army guys with the with the solo helmets and like it's full on a star wars show even more than it has been cassian is in the tunnels and there's a great scene in there with brasso where brasso gives cassian marva's final message and this is so wonderful i'm just going to read it here tell him none of this is his fault it was already burning He's just the first spark of the fire. Tell him he knows everything he needs to know and feels everything he needs to feel. And when the day comes and when those two pull together, he will be an unstoppable force for good. Tell him I love him more than anything he could ever do wrong. Right there and there, you've got spark. You've got force. (laughs) You know, like, it's touching the Star Wars heartstrings. And, you know, this is the spark that will light the flame that will burn the First Order down. And it's kind of like what we've been talking about all along with Andor, too, and what we talked about in the episode where we compared it to THX. And like you said, this is Andor coming out of the prison of the mind. This is Andor becoming the revolutionary and... What's his whole mission, him on Ferrix? Because even when I was watching it, I'm like, why are you back on Ferrix? But he's going there when everyone there is there to kill Cassian Andor. This whole thing is designed to as a trap to kill him. He's there to rescue his friends. Well, and to say goodbye to his mom, who he's, you know, like people do when they grow up, realizing that maybe maybe my parents weren't so so stupid and I and they didn't know what was right and now I'm kind of realizing this and and he's you know he's appreciating where he came from and and appreciating everyone that's helped him get to where he is and yeah he's there to to say goodbye and and save his friends and he's getting pumped up in the ship before he goes out and does all this listening to Nemec's manifesto like we said before like you've got to do something you've got to try and it's almost kind of like in episode 10 when we had the two amazing monologues from Kino Loy and Luthen where in this one we've got three we've got Nemec's manifesto we've got the final message message from Marva said by Brasso and then later we've got yeah Marva's giant hologram in the streets of Ferrix we've got three inspirational huge moments and we we can't talk about the hologram yet we gotta wait we gotta wait it's too much we got, there's more, there's more before we get to that. <laughs> yeah, real quick. We can't forget about Cyril and Mr. Sideburns riding the bus. Like everybody is back. Everything is back. The space train bus is back. And just when, yeah, you're like, what is going to happen? The time grappler, he hits the bell. Things are starting. The empire is freaking out because they're starting early. What's going on? And the marching band comes out. And they start, and there is a full-on Star Wars marching band. There's two of them. There's one with all the brass instruments and one with all the crazy flutes going down different streets. And just because this show is so insane, the music of the band in the show is the music of the show. And it's starting slow and building. And it just the fact that the band is playing the music in the show that is the music of the show is just, it's so outrageous and this episode really is like full-on star wars outrageousness because 
as we were talking about earlier, it all builds up to the biggest, most giant hologram of Marva. Well, and we got it before they even get to the hologram Marva, just to remind us again, coming full circle, the marching band goes past the wall of gloves. We'll get the scrapyard on ferricks before you start your job. You need to go to the wall of goes back to the wall of gloves i was like oh thank you one more one last shot of the wall of gloves like i don't know if we'll go back to ferrix in season two so i just had to show the wall of gloves one last time but this whole that moment i was like oh my god this show because i had no idea where this was going like it was kind of like okay there's going to be a, you know a riot or something right we know from the trailer there's going to be some something but if you would have asked me you know what's the big pivotal finale moment i would have never said a giant enormous hologram of marva and it kind of makes sense why they were like holding back on the holograms in andor 2 and like keeping us with holiday special tv talking because when this hologram shows up it's like oh yeah star wars has holograms and this one is ridiculous and awesome the the build-up too with before the hologram comes out of shots of everyone just looking up searching for andor and freaking deaf troopers going around and then andor is sneaking around like he finds like a cook in a kitchen and stuff when he finds the cook you're just like oh god oh geez. yeah and then the hologram comes out and i love there's one shot when the hologram is happening and they cut to luthan's face and he looks like he's about to cry and I love that, too, because it, it kind of goes into, like, we see later with Luthen in this episode. Luthen is starting to realize where as much as he thinks he's Leon from Midnight Madness, as much as he thinks he's the game master here, there's other revolutions that Luthen doesn't know about. The ingredients that form the pizza of the Rebel Alliance, there's ingredients he doesn't know about. There's battles on the streets of Ferrix. There's people like Marva who are rebels through and through that are inspiring others to fight. It's so cool because yeah, it's, it get I get the sense that Luthen is kind of like, this is bigger than I imagined. This isn't just me and Mothma and Coruscant and Saw Gerrera and Robbie Krieger. There's, there's other things going on. The people are starting the rebel Alliance. Well, and it's also showing the contrast between what Luthen is, which is behind the scenes, pulling the strings, making things happen. And the people who are using words and inspiring people with their words and their actions. And that contrast too of like, here's just a lady on a planet and she's in inspiring rebellion with her words and just how powerful that is versus all the work that Luthen's doing behind the scenes. Like it's the words of Marva are almost more impactful than everything Luthen's been doing. And it, it does seem like maybe there's a, there's something in his head where maybe he's a, he's understanding the power of that. And that wasn't something that maybe he thought of before. And it does, again, I feel like the contrast between Luthen's way of rebelling and Mothma's where Mothma's more going to give a speech to inspire people where Luthen is going to be assassinating people behind the scenes. 
The Empire is a disease that thrives in darkness. It's never more alive than when we sleep. It's easy for the dead to tell you to fight, and maybe it's true. Maybe fighting is useless. Perhaps it's too late, but I'll tell you this. If I could do it again, I'd wake up early and be fighting these bastards from the start. Fight the Empire. Again, it's just like what... Nemec's manifesto is saying, and it's just like the the prison of the mind thing. You've got to do something. You've got to make that first move. You've got to step out of the prison that is holding you back and fight and do something. And she's giving a shout out to the 5.30 a.m. crew. Like, you got to get up early. (laughs) It's okay. Let's get up early and watch Andor. It's a new Lucasfilm show. Set your alarm. Get up. If I could do it again, I'd get up at 4.30. Come on. It doesn't matter if it's Bad Batch or the season finale of The Mandalorian. You're getting up early. And, yeah, then just everything goes crazy. Brasso is literally beating Imperial people with Marva's stone. Somebody kicks over B2. That that was uncalled for. That was uncalled for. They're bad guys, those Empire. Bad, bad dudes. But, yeah, it's just total chaos. Everything's going going crazy. Cinta just finds that one Imperial spy guy and just knifes him in an alley because she's just tired of his nonsense. He's right in the gut. Yeah. The bomb kid throws the bomb. It explodes. And then like some kind of Imperial ammunition thing falls out of a chest and they all explode. Everybody goes flying everywhere. Dedrick gets a rock thrown at her head. <laughs> well, and then, yeah, just again, Tony Gilroy just keeping it crazy. In all this chaos, it looks like Deidre is in trouble. And, of course, we get our, what, I'm Cyril Karn, I'm here to rescue you moment. And he saves Deidre and just takes their really weird, uncomfortable relationship to a whole new level of weird and uncomfortable. I should say thank you. You don't have to. (laughs) I thought they were going to make a baby in that room or something. I thought we were going to go to places we'd never gone before in Star Wars. I was like, oh, boy. But it's it's with all of the neat thing with episode 12. All of our characters and all of our storylines are kind of brought to a temporary conclusion where everything's kind of wrapped up in a way, but also wrapped up leading into season two, because now what the hell is up with Dedra and Cyril in season two after this little closet? <laughs> I don't know what to call it encounter that they had. Luthen is watching all of this again, just incredible performance on Stellan Skarsgård's. I can never say his last name's face. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully if there's any Emmy nominations, it's specifically for their faces. Like the rest of their body is not going to get nominated, but Genevieve O'Reilly, Diego Luna and Stellan Skarsgård's face, only their face is going to get nominated for Emmys. He is not in control of this revolution. Like we said before, he's kind of realizing that this is bigger and there's more to it than perhaps he knew. It's total chaos in Ferrix, but somehow Cassian has escaped it all. He gets all of his buddies on a ship where he tells B2 to take care of Bix. And I love this Bix. Like the first thing Bix has said in like four episodes, he'll find us. Cassian will find, well, she mumbles some stuff earlier, when, that she like doesn't want to leave or something, but she says he'll find us. 
Cassian will find us. And Cassian says, I will, I'll find you. And again, this is Cassian free from the prison of the mind. This is compassion from Cassian. The whole, the beginning of the show, he was looking for his sister. He was only in it for the money. He has risked everything at this moment to be there for his mother and to help his friends. He's only thinking of others in this situation. And he got them to safety. Nothing can happen to Brasso. Nothing. If the Empire clamps down on Ferrix, which they will, none of his people are there. <laughs> Except for our friend, the dirty beard guy with the, with the space dogs who runs the spaceport, who, who luckily came back in this episode. Unfortunately, he's still there, but he's got the, he's got the solo dog, so he might be okay. The episode's kind of wrapping up, and we see Mothma, Perrin, and Lita meet Davos' kid. Like we said, she is starting to really separate from her old life. Luthen on the speeder one more time because it's too good. Luthen gets on the ship, what, and Cassian is there. And Cassian says straight up, you came here to kill me, didn't you? I love Luthen, like, well, you don't make it easy. Cassian, I will now. Luthen saying, what game is this? And when he said that, I was like, yes, it is, it's a game. It's all like this chess game to Luthen. And this is not a game anymore. That's the thing like with Luthen watching the revolution on Ferrix. This isn't a game. This is like real life now. This is what's happening. And it's not like all the stuff, like the game that Luthen was playing with Robbie Krieger or with Lonnie or with all these like little players. It's not about killing Cassie Nandor anymore. It's like he said to Lonnie, we need all the heroes we can get. Well, and Cassian has more than anyone else proven his worth and proven his devotion to the cause now of, you know, Luthen did everything he could to kill him and, and Cassian outsmarted him, outwitted him. And here he is. And he's basically, yeah, I'm either going to come with you or you're going to kill me. What do you want to do? And it's almost like, Luthen has a little bit of pride there and like, you know, he, he started this and, you know, his little protege is back and, you know, it, it, it all worked out in the end that he now has a new ally and he doesn't have to kill him because he's there. He wants to work with him. And I love you have Luthen smiling and putting down the blaster. This is almost like a new Luthen, like through this episode, us seeing all these characters Moving from one stage to another, maybe this is a Luthen that now isn't quite the game master. Well, he's seeing, in a way, his plan is working. It's working. What he's been working towards that, you know, as much as maybe he was sad that things are going off the rails in a way, it's what he wanted. He wanted the Empire to push back so hard that people couldn't take it anymore. And here on Ferrix, you know, an old lady's hologram inspired an entire city to rebel against the empire with, with rocks in one bomb and here this, you know, Cassian Andor, even though everyone was trying to kill him, was able to survive and is back for more and wants to help. And it's in a way it's like, this is the best outcome for Luthen because everything he's been spending his life trying to make happen, it's all happening and it's all for real now. And like in this final moment with Cassian and Luthen, we don't see it on screen, but the like how every arc has ended with K 
Cassian ascending. The end of the third one, going off in the ship and back and forth with him as a kid and with Luthen. And then after the Aldani arc with him in the stolen ship flying off. And then after the prison arc with him ascending up to the top to jump out of Narkina 5. Here we have Cassian ascending. Eventually he will with Luthen when they take off in the ship together. But it's almost now he's ascending more metaphorically as a character. He is out of the prison of the mind finally he is kind of, he is the unstoppable force for good yeah well and it's the whole thing that you know the show keeps doing and star wars keeps doing the end scene here is almost we're back to the end of the first arc again with cassian and luthan in his ship in the same spot on ferrix except luthan and andor are different people now they've both been changed by the events of the season and here we are back at the beginning, but everything's a little different now. It's so good. Andor, season one, so good. And then once the credits hit, Nicholas Bertel's music is incredible during the end credits. It's amazing. And you're sitting back thinking about how good Andor season one was. And you're like, wow, what, a, what an amazing ride this was. And you're enjoying this incredible music. And then all of a sudden there's more. <laughs> there's like, wait a second. What's going on here? Are these like, what are their little laser things? Wait, are these robots? Why, why are there spider robots? What are they doing? Wait, they're making something. Wait, no, that's the stuff from the prison. What? Huh? And then, yeah, they're on the Death Star. They're making the laser. What the heck? Again, this is literally a week ago or so or something, a little over a week ago, two weeks. I can't remember. I don't know what's going on. And I'm watching this alone in the dark, like in my living room, I had like a cup of like lemon ginger tea. I was like really getting chill and Zen watching Andor. And it's like this end credit scene comes, I'm sipping my tea and also this end credit scene is like spit take. Oh my God, what is happening? And it's the, it's that last shot of the laser being lowered, like we're hovering in space above the Death Star. Looks like a freaking painting. And then I like heard something that Tony Gilroy was on some podcast, some different podcast, and someone asked him, or it was an interview or something, and someone asked him, what are they building on Narkina 5? And he said, season two. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Because, again, and Tony Gilroy, like, I, I don't care about Star Wars. Dude, that's the most Star Wars thing ever in Star Wars, Star Wars ever. The freaking Death Star. And it's like we we just watched... Cassian and Luthen kind of all like we said over and over like these characters kind of changing and moving forward and what is the rebel alliance going to be and now it's like this is what they're fighting against there's fights in this there's small skirmishes happening there's little things but also there's the freaking death star being built the a giant ball floating in space that can blow up other planets it's making the threat of the empire so much bigger, more real. And it makes all these little things and all these people and all these stories, all the Cinta and Vels and the Nemics and everything, it's making it all know this is what they're fighting against. The season ended the way every episode ended with as much as you're feeling good about what happened, you're wondering about the future. And there's always that, yeah, that little bit of tension beneath the surface of oh, what's going to happen next. 
I don't totally feel comfortable with where everybody is right now. And yeah, it doesn't get much worse than the Death Star. It's it's out there. It's somewhere. And it's that much closer to where it is when we see it in Rogue One. When going back and thinking about what they've said about season two, that it takes place over the next four years. I love how everyone calls it Rogue, too. Leading you to Rogue. How is season two going to happen with these like time jumps? Like, where are all of our characters going to be as we go into season two? And it is jumping forward in time quickly. I mean, we just got through, I don't know if you've watched it yet, but House of the Dragon and House of the Dragon kind of did that where, well, this episode is 10 years later than what we just saw in last week. And Andor's not going to do that, but it is going to be moving forward in time where Andor season one was kind of took place over the course of about like what two three months or something yeah well i mean technically uh, i think it's a year but right but it's just part of a year well and what's so awesome about this potentially and it and it'll be you know it'll be, we'll find out soon enough though is it is almost like a perfect way to transition from season one being a show that takes its time because it can and rogue one being a movie that is like zip 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 because it has to get through all this story in two hours and getting this like middle thing. That's going to be a faster paced version of the slow story from the first season, but not as fast paced as having to fit it all into a two hour movie. So going back and watching and or into rogue one is going to just have this feeling of everything slowly getting more intense and faster and faster as you go, which just feels so perfect for this story and just the way even season one was kind of paced where it just kept building and building and building and season two is just gonna get faster more intense than season one which is you know what better way to do it and where is mon mothma in the four years building up to rogue one where you know where is luthan where what happens to cyril and dedra as we go into rogue one and the death star begins to become something much more real and the threat of the empire starts to get more real where are cassian's buddies with him coming to find them later it's all extremely fascinating yeah well and they've said we're gonna get we're gonna end up on yavin like is luthan gonna be on yavin is he gonna be part of that or is the the whole official rebel alliance something that luthan is still behind the scenes and it's something that that mothma puts in place or is you know or, or is is bail organa going to show up because he's an important part of this like we're getting it's becoming more and more the star wars that we know where i'm sure they're still going to be filling it with the star wars we don't know that we didn't know we wanted to know until we see it in this show and realize like where have you been my whole life this new character that is now my new favorite dodana and building a fleet and all the people that were standing around the table when they had that meeting in Rogue One, like, the rebellion is finished and all that stuff. Where do they find all the pilots for the X-Wings? Like, Radis. <laughs> well, and even something like that with bringing in, like, the Mon Calamari. And yeah, that's the thing that season one, pe some people have criticized it. Oh, it's all people. Where are all the aliens and stuff? Well, in season two, it this this small story could suddenly get bigger and more of the galaxy could be coming in. It made perfect sense that it's all humans because, you know, it's the Empire and they're fascists and they hate aliens, you know? That 
<laughs> and after episode 11, there's no complaints about aliens. We got, we got, they were just saving, saving it up for us. <laughs> my Z my. And a good segue, there was another a wonderful alien in an earlier episode with a, uh, a straw giving a lady a wonderful drink of some space beverage. And we know a little bit more about that. Yeah. So here's the deal, folks. We recently had the opportunity to talk to the wonderful Hazel Lith, who you know her, you love her. She was the drink-sipping lady on the beach with an, an incredible alien puppet. Her character's name is Lazula Penn. And we recently had the opportunity to talk to Hazel, who portrayed Lazula Penn in episode 11 of Andor. And we've got the audio for that conversation. And it is as much of a treat as you can imagine. It's however you imagine it, that's how it is. It was wonderful talking to her. She was the best. And it's magic. It's Star Wars magic for real. In the real world, real Star Wars magic. All right, so here we go. Here's the time we talk to Hazel Lith about her appearance in Andor. Well, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to to talk to us today. It's just, it's such a thrill. We it's amazing how like the 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 past cross because I think like what was it we we loved that moment in Andor episode seven the announcement. And we shared a picture, and then what we was somehow, I think on Instagram, got notified people saying, "That's my mom." It was a, it was a bit exciting, yeah. So how did it come about that that you ended up in Andor? How did all this happen? Um, well, I've been doing extras work for a few years, and then COVID happened, and everything closed up, and as things were easing off a little, I. I had an availability request and it was a Disney thing. So I said, Oh, this might be interesting. So I said, yeah, I'm available. And then it came through, it was called Pilgrim. So unbeknownst to anybody until you start searching comes up with Andor. So it's like, Oh, I'll do this then. Hey guys, I'm, I know we're isolating, but I can't turn this one down. <laughs> oh. I was just one of the um, 30 or 40 extras and on the um, uh, Lancashire coast at, at Blackpool, nice resort. But, of course, it's empty because no, none of the hotels are open. It would normally be, be full of um, summer visitors. Yeah, and I, I, was, I was just one of, one of the extras that were on the seafront and the director came along and said, OK, oh, we, we all had... Uh, big Obi-Wan cloaks on to cover our um, outfits. So it's like super secret. And so he said, right, take your masks off. So we're all took our masks off. No, take your hoods off as well. So we took our hoods off. And I got this amazing big hair that you can't quite see. And and he he walked along the line of us and said, "Uh, okay, I think it's going to be you. And Turned turn to everybody gathered and said, you're all amazing looking people, but today I want this profile and these cheekbones. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> I got picked. And then um, lots and lots of uh, takes, um, the camera close by me, far away, in front, 
you know, multiple cameras, on dollies, all with um, and or Diego in the background, walking or running past me. But all the action's just on me. And it's just like, am I going to make this or not? And then, of course, there's a puppy at the side of me. So you think, well, they can't be going to all this trouble. And I don't make it, but I might be just, you know, with extras. You're just a tiny little blob in the distance. The, the puppets, I mean, I'm going, I'm going to jump forward to the filming bit, but we spent quite a lot of time. Two guys, well-known puppeteers, uh, Colin Purves and Derek Arnold, they were behind me all this time with the puppet to my left-hand side. Fantastic guys. And they were like working in the dark, really, because they were leaning around me because the, the little servant waiter puppet had to put this straw in my mouth for me to drink. So they were doing it half blind. And, and it, it, so a number of times they would say, right, what we're going to do, the puppet's going to come come up to you, he'll giggle, he'll do all these funny noises and this straw will appear in your mouth. Do not look at us, don't look at Andor, just stare out to sea and this is, this is what we need. And, yeah, we practised that a few times and, I mean, it was as an extra, it's great working with professionals and they put me at ease so much and they were so friendly. You know, it's like... It's exciting working with a, a puppet, but it's great working with people who support you in that role. You know, so it was it was a fantastic moment. Have Have you been in situations in the past where you had to work with visual effects things or puppets on set, or was this the first time? That was the first time. Yeah. What was it like when when they brought the puppet out? Like, when did you find out that it wasn't you weren't just in going to be in the episode that you were going to be with the puppet? Oh, it, it, it was, um, I was asked right at the beginning, right, we want you to feature, you'll be working with a puppet, you'll have to drink something of an unknown mix, you know. <laughs> um, will you do that? Are you happy with it? And it's like, of course I will, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, is there an alternative? <laughs> so then you, you film it. And then you had to, it was so long from then to when it finally came out and you couldn't talk about it at all, but you have Star Wars fans in your family. How, how difficult was that? It was difficult, but of course, I mean, I came home that second evening after filming and we'd, we'd been isolating and I just said to my husband, we've all got to just, you've all got to come and let me just share a little bit of <laughs> and it really it was just like my point of view of this is what I did working with a puppet you know no, nothing of the plot nothing of of the other cast or anything you know nothing of the set other than what people knew because there were lots of people uh filming where they could because it's an open air um situation so there were lots of people with long lenses trying to get sneaky pictures so I, I didn't disclose anything other than could be seen on the internet anyway. But, I mean, when you've signed an NDA, you've got to keep to the letter of the law. <laughs> yeah, so it was a hard 18 months, but we got there. And it was super exciting because it was like such a close-up. 
Yeah, what was the day like when you finally got to see the episode? And were you watching it by yourself with your husband, with the family? Like, what was it like when you finally saw that, that not only were you on screen, but you were huge, <laughs> you and the puppet were like right in front? Yeah, it was because it, um, the situation changes in the program and he he's in this apartment uh, and hiding his uh, money on the shower and everything and the mood had changed completely anyway and this fruity music begins and it's just like cuts to the beach oh my god it's me <laughs> yeah, and the, the family were like right pause 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 go back watch it again yeah we watched it loads of times it was great oh that's so wonderful has anyone recognized you out in public at all is like wait are, are you from andor <laughs> do you know not really i i, I did put it on my uh, Facebook and Instagram once it was out there. And the odd person said, oh, I see you, famous person now. And it was just like, well, this is how things happen. It's just, you know, I, I'm, I'm not that famous. I just was lucky. You know, it's just, just got featured. I'm not make, making a big thing of it, except in situations like this, where it's people who do understand how important it is. And how exciting these things can be. I mean, there's a lot of us out there that got lucky breaks and look at me. I'm in Star Wars. You know, there's lots of people can say that. And uh, I've got lots of new friends because of it. Lots of people have come up and said, yeah, I was in such and such a thing too. I'll be your friend. You know, just like, yeah, great. You you understand the honour of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's an exclusive club of the people who got to talk to puppets in Star Wars. Like, there's not a, there's not a lot of you out there. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this character, of course, being I'm I'm a rich, spoiled pensioner in this holiday resort, and of course, it's like when when you go on holiday to a hotel or something, and, and the waiter brings you a drink, you don't just ignore them. And it was that thing of I just had to ignore someone giving me a drink and it's just like you think that's so rude but this is they, they said you've got to be so imperious and oh, I'm above all this I'm so important <laughs> yeah so that that was really good trying to get yourself into a character that's so different you know on on a strange planet I love it I love it was there anything be, aside from ignoring the waiter in your head that you came up with for, for your character's backstory, like where did she come from? What kind of life did she live? Why is she going out on vacation? Well, I was trying to think, what, why would I? Where have I made my money? And and you watch you watch Andor now, and you think, yeah, this is this people dealing with all sorts of things, and I mean, it's not just we're trying to overcome problems with our life. It's just like, I'm trying to make some money. How can I do that? Lots of, and in like Mandalorian, like how people make the money there. And we see all little backstories of, of all sorts of people. So I think, well, I'm, I'm just one of these who's, I've got lucky in my life and made a fortune and I can just drift around the universe wherever I want. <laughs> And the clothes, I mean, it's just like we were all dressed. So we were wearing sort of beach attire. It was freezing cold and it was a threat of rain. And 
and we're all dressed so skimpily. <laughs> and I had these really, really tall shoes on. And I, I don't know if you've noticed the seafront, they're the, um, big concrete. It's like quite brutalist architecture, big, big steps. And so I was like, I had someone either side of me tottering me up, up and down these steps every time we had a, a break. You know, go back now and uh, go and have lunch or whatever, come back in a minute. And so, so it's, it was uh, being made a fuss off as well um, in this amazing place. And, and then, well, because you were featured as well, um, because I was featured, the uh, makeup and hair would, would come every time the filming stopped. They, they're touching you up and putting these hairs out of place, back. And uh, I was very tanned as well. Everybody had to have loads of uh, tan makeup on. So it's like, right, I'll, I'll just make you a bit darker. Just, just pull your skirt up a bit. I'll just make your legs a bit darker because they might be seen. <laughs> Well, your hands need a bit more. So it's just like pat, pat, pat all over. Yeah. So that was interesting being being made such a fuss of. I mean, I've I've been doing this for like six years or so. You look you, uh, the extras get looked after really well. Um, so it's it's not just a fun thing to do. It, it's meeting people. It's sharing other people's ideas and interests. It's a pleasure to to be working in this industry, and and I'm just doing it as um, a casual job. Um, I'm I'm retired from teaching, and and I'm just enjoying just being an extra and meeting people and and working in a fantastic industry. That's so great, and you're, you're part of the Star Wars family now. That's well, that's that's just such a bonus. Yeah, um, absolutely loving that. Yeah. And and I mean, in a way, we we always have been. I was married in mid seventies when when it was all you know beginning, and all all these sorts of films were happening. And both my husband and myself were interested in like science fiction, literature, and fantasy and such. So Star Wars started off, and although we were busy and we had started having a young family, then we didn't get much time to go to the cinema, but it's there and you're interested in it and the technology is improving all the time muppets and and puppets being involved from from then and you think this is a great time to to have all this um entertainment and and you and we've had all these star wars and you get the vhs and and the kids watch them and get the toys and andy my son has, has got a huge collection Many of which were he's had all his life more or less. <laughs> um, so it's like it's it's so exciting just to be involved now in something that I've known for the greatest part of my life. You know, enjoying entertainment and and Star Wars and and all these films um, that have that have been developed. Lucas and Spielberg they, they changed things for everybody and it's like it's an underlying thing being entertained when we've all got jobs to do and lives to lead and other pressures but it's it's just still exciting um and like I said my daughter she was um when Rogue One came out uh they've always gone to comic cons and things and she said 
this, this, uh, a new character in this film, and I've only seen teasers. Do you know? So I'd like, I'd like to uh, cosplay. So we, we researched what little tiny bits we could find and spent four days building a costume. And then she went to um, a celebration. It was 2016. And who should be there but Glyn Dillon, who was the costume designer. And he was just like, how, where did you get this from? How, how, do you know, <laughs> how do you know this costume? And it was just like, we worked so hard on it. You know, but it was just like, that was, again, another pleasure to be involved in. And, and since I mentioned Celebration, um, Andy and my daughter Vic's husband, Nick, they have a, a, a band called Blues Harvest uh, who got asked in 2013 um, to do um, So Was Fan Fun Day to play in the evening, like the, the parodies of Star Wars tunes and covers, all, all sort of anything from the pop genres. And, and they've been doing that since. Uh, they went to Chicago Celebration and Andy... <laughs> he does uh, the running of the Huds, the Wilro Hud character. Yeah. <laughs> He's quite it, been involved in that for many, many years and many cons. So all these things, they all build to, you know, really exciting times for us all. So, yeah, when you say we've got a Star Wars family, pretty much is. <laughs> well, it, and it's just so amazing that you we're already a mom of a Star Wars family and now you're potentially the coolest one in the Star Wars family because not only were you in the Star Wars show, you got to be with the puppet and it's just, yeah, it's just so awesome how this all worked out in the end. It is awesome and cool, as you say. So thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully Andy one day will have an action figure of his mom sipping a drink with a little puppet alien. Oh, that would be so exciting. (laughs) You never know. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It's a real thrill. We loved your moment, and we're just such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. We cannot thank Hazel enough for that. That was so great to get to talk to her and hear her historical groundbreaking moment. One of our favorite moments in all of Andor season one. You know, little Annie said it. Sometimes dreams really got to do come true. And in Star Wars, they do. And in real life, they do. And yeah, it was a it was a Star Wars miracle. And we're so happy for her that this all happened. Yeah.
doing this? I want to help. I've been recruiting for the rebellion. Spies, assassins, saboteurs. Yeah, of course. My gloves. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Apple Podcast Review. So when you get done listening to this, if you listen on something Apple, go over there and write something nice, and it will help more people find Blast Points when they search for Star Wars Podcasts. And we love reading your reviews, love hearing what you folks have to say. brings warm feelings to our hearts. And make sure you check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com, and you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're a member of our Blast Point Super Chill Group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where we have all of our Andor back episodes, where we're talking about episodes, and very soon on there, we will be having Willow coverage over on the Patreon and that kind of brings us to the next episode of Blast Points. We'll be talking about the two-episode premiere of Willow on Disney+, Plus because we love Willow, too. For a short bit of time here, Blast Points will become a Willow podcast. No surprise to absolutely anyone. But that about wraps up number 337 here, wrapping up Andor. I don't think we'll ever stop talking about Andor. It's like the pizza at Epcot. I talk about that pizza at least once a week if not more and i think that's how andor is going to be for the rest of my life it, it may be worse we may talk about andor more because we're not watching it every week so we'll just be driving everybody nuts hey remember andor hey remember that show andor hey remember andor i'll just stop talking about the the pizza at epcot and i'll, I'll just start talking about andor more if something's really good or great like boy it's a beautiful day outside it's just like season one of andor <laughs> So, on that note, everyone, thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you all very soon. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. say something else? Yeah, please. Uh, muchísimas gracias a todos los que están aquí. Y... It's, it's, 
es muy especial, la verdad, eh, sentir su cariño, la verdad. Y a la gente que está escuchando esto en, en casa, <risa> agradezco muchísimo su cariño y su compañía y, y espero este show les guste y espero sigan Andor y nos ayuden a que, a, a, a que todo el mundo hable de él. Eh, les mando un abrazo donde sea que estén viendo esto.